You are now listening to Pursuit Cast, the official podcast of Pursuit NYC. May it be an encouragement to you today and stir your soul for revival. Well, welcome everybody. Once a tremendous privilege and honor to sit down with, you know, who I consider to be a true revivalist. Um, He's the senior pastor of South Shore Community Church outside of Boston, as well as um, a professor at Alliance Theological for both the master's and doctorate program. And yeah, he's just someone I look up to and a hero of the faith. So I want to welcome Dr. Rob Reamer. Thank you, Sam. It's good to be with you. Thank you for being with us. I know that you've been literally traveling all over and so, a lot the last couple of years. Yeah, so but really appreciate you taking the time to sit with us today. Um, for those of us that might be listening in, uh, maybe you could introduce yourself a little more. Yeah. For those who are listening. I'm a grad from ATS, and I graduated in 1991, went up to Boston, planted a church, started with a little group of eight people, and uh, my wife and I and six others, and mm-hmm. we grew the church just seeing people come to faith in Christ. And so it's been going on now for 18 and a half years, and we've seen hundreds and hundreds of people come to faith in Christ, awesome. lives being changed, good things happening. Jen and I have four kids, my oldest going off to college this year, so oh, wow. my youngest is 12. So I have three girls and a boy, three girls in high school. Cool. Well, thank you for being with us. And just right off the bat, um, our vision at Pursuit is revival. And you know, after your years of pursuing and contending, for revival, how, how would you define revival? I think a revival is a spirit-filled community of believers mm-hmm. who are bringing about the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And the kingdom is the reversal of everything that went wrong in the world when sin entered the world. So in the beginning, there was not supposed to be sickness. Revival involves healing. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, there wasn't supposed to be people separated from each other, divorced, broken relationships. It involves restoration wasn't supposed to be, uh, you know, demonization, so it involves deliverance. Mm-hmm. So a revival is the restoration of everything it was supposed to be before sin entered the world. Okay, cool. So just reversing everything. The way yeah, it's really it getting it back to, to the way God intended. And obviously, it doesn't happen perfectly till Jesus returns. Mm-hmm. One day longer than a lifetime, otherwise yes. for us. So what, what do you believe are the keys to revival in order to see that happen? To see, you know... Uh, you know, the, the oppressed set free, the captive set free, mm-hmm. um, the sick healed, you know, people saved, all of these things. What, mm-hmm. what do you think are some keys to seeing revival? So, Sam, when I, uh, this was oh, probably seven, eight years ago, I felt like the Lord told me to preach revival until it came. And I said, yes. One of my flaws with God is mm-hmm. I say yes before I know what he means. Yeah. And so I, I heard him say this, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I will. And then I thought, I don't know how to preach revival. I don't even know what that means. Mm-hmm. So I got along with the Lord. I went to the monastery where I go to spend time with God. And I said, Lord, I'm willing, but I don't know what to do. And I heard the Lord say to me, study Moses. He holds the key. Mm-hmm. And so I started studying the life of Moses. And you know the first encounter in Exodus chapter 3 where Moses encounters God for the first time. Do you know what he does? The very first thing he does when he sees God? God introduces himself by name. Mm-hmm. I am the God of your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses hides his face, Mm. okay? 
He has an aversion in his spirit towards his father in some way. Mm -hmm. I think that's because of some shame. I think it's because of some father wound issues. It's an identity crisis he's having. All kinds of issues going on. Mm -hmm. But what God says to him in the midst of this is, I have an assignment for you. My assignment is for you to take this group of Israelites out of the land of slavery into the promised land. But you think about it, it's an impossible assignment. Here's his real assignment. To take a group of people out of a land where the people don't want them to leave. Yeah. Into a land where the people don't want them to come with a group of people who don't want to make the trip. Yeah. (laughs) That's the task. Yeah. It's an impossible task. And the only thing he promises him is his presence. Hmm. That's good. The question that God, Moses asks of God is, who am I? It's the wrong question. God doesn't even answer it. Yeah. Instead, God answers the question he should have asked. I will be with you. Mm, that's good. And that's the key to revival. The key to revival is intimacy. The key to revival is his presence. When you get in his presence, the broken places in your soul become healed. Mm. When you get into his presence, the shameful places get cleansed. The sinful places get changed, transformed. It's in his presence mm. that there's transformation. That's good. And so Moses t- so deeply internalizes this lesson, he begins a lifelong pursuit of intimacy with God, Hmm. okay? He starts pursuing his face. You get to Exodus chapter 19. There's a scene there where you're going up into the clouds and the Ten Commandments. There's fire on the mountain and smoke and all this kind of stuff, right? Yeah. And God says, come up. And Moses goes up into the mountain, okay? And he meets with God. 40 days, 40 nights, he's in the presence. Exodus 32, we end up with the whole golden calf incident. Mm -hmm. And God has a bad moment there up in heaven. He's (laughs) like, that's it, I'm done. I'm not going with the people. I'll send an angel. And Moses says to him, if you don't go, what will distinguish us? He's learned. He needs the presence. This is the only thing that makes us unique. Mm. He says, if you don't go, I won't go. If you don't go, blot me out of your book. Wow. That's an intense statement. Mm. And God says, all right, all right, I'll go. Yeah. Now, I have a feeling, Sam, God never intended not to go. It was a test of what was in Moses' heart. But Moses had been in the presence of God so long, what God discovered in Moses' heart was the very thing that was in his own heart. Mm. That's what happens when you hang out in the presence of God. Then Moses, ever grateful for what God gives, never satisfied, glutton for more, says, yeah. show me your glory. Yeah. That is not the request of a casual friend. Mm. It's in that chapter, Exodus chapter 33, this is where this is recorded, Mm -hmm. that you begin to get an epitaph of Moses' life. Moses knew the Lord face to face Mm. as one knows his friend. Wow. You get to Numbers chapter 12. He's continuing to pursue the presence, the face of God, right? Mm -hmm. Get to Numbers chapter 12. And when you get to this passage, his brother and sister rebel against him. And God, for the only time I know of in Scripture, descends to earth to defend a man. There are times he defends someone in heaven like Job, but this Mm. time he leaves heaven to defend him face Mm. to face. And this is what he says. When I speak to a prophet, I speak to him in dreams and visions. This is not so of my servant Moses, who is faithful in all my house. Mm. We usually look at that and go, he's faithful. He's he's obedient. Yeah, Yeah, he was. But what God meant was, he's a faithful friend. Mm. I don't have friends like Moses. Yeah. And then he went on to say, With him I speak face to face, except the literal Hebrew expression has shifted, and it's not literally in Hebrew face to face. Literally in Hebrew, it is mouth to mouth. Mm -hmm. He has moved from one who has hid his face from God 
to one who has become a face-to-face friend with God, to one who has moved to a mouth-to-mouth lover of God. Wow. That's the key. That intimacy Mm. is the key to revival. And with intimacy comes holiness. Mm. As a matter of fact, before you hit every new level of intimacy, there is a new level of purging, Mm. a new level of cleansing that must take place. Yeah. And that's how Moses gets there. Mm, and honestly, Sam, I think that's the biggest key. Mm-hmm. We've got to pursue his face, no matter what it costs. Yeah. You know, how, how, how would you say that you, you, you press in to seek his face and, and cultivate that hunger? I mean, because, you know, you know, I'm sure other people have experienced, I've experienced it where, you know, you, you want to, but then it's... It, it, you can't really go beyond that. You know, you know what I mean? Yep. Where to, you get stuck. Mm-hmm. Like, but how do, you, how do you get unstuck, so to say, and, and cultivate hunger to, to keep going? Yeah. You know, to, to be at a place to say, no matter the cost. Because I think everyone would say, yeah, of course, you know, for God and His glory, no matter the cost. But yet, you know, like you said, there are a few friends that the Lord has like Moses. You know, how do you get to that place? Some of this, Sam, the answer is everybody has to cross a line of intrinsic motivation. Mm -hmm. For Moses, the key was that first conversation. Listen, Moses had shame and some intimacy issues that kept him from coming near to God. He hid his face. It isn't an accident when the Bible says he hid his face, he became face to face. That's not an accident when it starts talking words about the face. There was very clear an aversion, okay? So he didn't start as an intimate friend. Yeah. He started as one who was hiding. Mm -hmm. He had soul issues that were preventing him from intimacy. But what happened was he so internalized his need of God he would press in no matter what the cost. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you how uncomfortable it is sometimes to press into God, Sam? Yeah. If you're gonna press into God, you're gonna have to face some things inside of you that are gonna make you incredibly squeamish and uncomfortable. Yeah. But they have to be purged for you to get closer. Mm -hmm. There's times when I press into God and what I feel, I'm sitting in his presence in silence. I'm not saying anything. I'm not praying anything. I'm just fixing my loving attention on Jesus. I'm just in tune with the spirit. And what I feel is empty. Mm. What I feel is homesickness. Mm. I actually started feeling this thing, Sam, where I'm sitting in God's presence and I can feel his presence like viscerally. I can feel it. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, I feel such a longing for the presence of God and it feels so empty that I'm moved to tears. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's gravitational pull inside my soul, a deep longing, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there with both those things happening at the same time. And when I started experiencing this, I didn't know what it was. I never heard anybody else talk about it. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I went to a monk. Yeah. I always go to the monastery. You've been with me to the monastery mm-hmm. that I go to. So I went to Father Robert. I said to him, Father Robert, I'm experiencing this thing in prayer. I mean, all these guys do is pray all the time. I figured it's worth a conversation. So I said to him, listen, I'm experiencing this thing in prayer where I can feel the presence of God, but at the same time, I'm longing for him so intensely, it feels like emptiness. And I said, have you ever experienced this? He said, oh, yes. I said to him, can you tell me what that is? And this is what he said to me. You are longing to see him face to face. Wow. Bingo. Mm. 
That's exactly what Moses was looking for. See, I had internalized the lesson of Moses and was pursuing the face of God. And when I did, I was longing to see him face to face. Mm. You know what I finally figured out that feeling was? Homesickness. Mm. Have you ever felt homesick? Yeah. That's what I felt. Mm. I was longing to go home. So much so that my buddy Ron Walborn, who you know, the dean here at the seminary, I said to him, I'm like, I can't wait to go to heaven. So one day he comes up to me and he goes, Bud, I'm concerned for you. I go, why? He goes, you talk about heaven more than anyone I know. He goes, I'm concerned. I I laughed. I burst out laughing. I go, you think I'm suicidal? He goes, I was wondering. I go, I just can't wait to see Jesus. That's the longing of Moses. Hmm. I think that's good because I think oftentimes when I hear you speak about that, that emptiness is... Is, is kind of, you know, obviously it's, it's not a good feeling, but it's a gift of God in the sense of he, he's longing us towards that homesickness. Yeah. But I, I think what I noticed in my life is how I take that as something else. So exactly. I, I want to I replace we run with it. it. Okay, Psalm 63. Mm-hmm. David, the man after God's own heart. Yeah. David, this massive worshiper, right? Psalm 63, David says this, Earnestly I seek you, O Lord. And then he talks about his heart thirsts for God. His body longs for God. He feels like he's in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Mm. You know what he's feeling? Longing. Intense, passionate, desert-like longing. Mm. He feels some emptiness. Now, here's the interesting thing. He doesn't run to a glass of wine. He doesn't run to Facebook. He doesn't run to his friends. Mm-hmm. He doesn't run to busyness. Yeah. He doesn't run to work. He runs to God. Earnestly, I seek you. It's interesting what he does. You ask the question, how do you cultivate that longing? You know what he does? The very first thing he does, he says, I remember, and he remembers a time where he's had a visionary experience with God. He uses a technical Hebrew word there. He says, I have seen you in the sanctuary. That phrase means... He has had a visionary encounter with God in the sanctuary. Mm -hmm. He remembers it. Why? Because he's longing and he's stirring his longing for God. Then he says, I remember you through the watches of the night. Mm -hmm. He's getting up in the middle of the night to pursue God. He's paying a price for intimacy. But what drove him to intimacy? Longing. Mm, That's good. You can't get to the next level of intimacy without embracing the next level of longing in your soul. Too often, we don't like the longing. So we go to other things, temporary earthly things, to fill the longings that actually dull our spiritual appetites. Mm. Classic example, six o'clock, you ate dinner. You go into the kitchen after you're done eating dinner, you clean up, everything's all cleaned up. 7.45, you walk into the kitchen, you're rummaging through the cabinet. You're not hungry, but you say to yourself, I'm looking for a little something. Mm. You're not hungry. What are you looking for? What I would suggest, Sam, a lot of times is we are misdiagnosing our spiritual appetite mm-hmm. and we're running to material things to fulfill our spiritual longings. Mm. And in the process, we dull our hunger and thirst for God. Wow. And when we do that, we miss out on what God has for us. Mm. David didn't do that. Yeah. He embraced the longing. I hunger and thirst for you. Mm-hmm. He diagnosed the emptiness appropriately. I'm longing for God. And then he embraced it and pursued it. Oh, that's good. 
That's good. I, I think um, I think it's David David Brent Benner's book, The Gift of Being Yourself, where mm-hmm. you know, he 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 asks you, you know, allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart with your greatest fear or shame, and and to sit there with the Lord in it instead of excusing it away or running from it. And and like you said, it's it's totally uncomfortable yeah. to, to wait on Him. I, but would you say the key to that waiting is is the longing then, I guess. I, I think desire is hugely important in our spiritual journey towards intimacy with God. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, passion, Sam, is something that is critically important to intrinsic motivation. Mm-hmm. So I want to cultivate desire. It's like a fire. Mm-hmm. I want to feed the fire with logs. If I stop feeding the fire, the fire dies out. So I want to feed that fire. So for me, for example, I read people who have touched God in ways and encountered God in ways and had intimacy with God in ways that I haven't. Mm-hmm. And when I read them, I go, oh, I long for God. Yeah. I read biographies of people like George Mueller or Corey Tembo. These guys had deep, deep, intimate walks with the Savior. And when I read them, I think, oh, that's what I want. Yeah. I want to know God. Mm. That's good. What are some other books? You mentioned Corey Ten Boom, and what are some other books that cultivate that desire within you for more of God? I like a lot of classics. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the ancients. The truth is, the evangelical church of today is fairly shallow. So mm-hmm. There are some out there who are writing in the evangelical church today that have some real meat on the bones, and there's some that really help me. Ruth Haley Barton. Um, I like Thomas Ashbrook's book, Mansions of the Heart. This is a fabulous read, and it's really doing a lot to increase my longing, right? But a lot of times what I do is I go to the classics, old-timers, people like Fenelon, or people a hundred and some odd years ago, like Andrew Murray. A.B. Simpson, some of his stuff has been good for me. I like Charles Finney. and So I go to a lot of old-timers a Mm -hmm. lot of times and read people that have touched God in ways I haven't. I like biographies. Yeah. Listening to stories of people who've had deep encounters with God. Mm, well, that's good. Um, I guess something that, that goes with desire is, you know, something that you've said um, in the past that I've heard you say, maybe you can um, kind of break it down on the podcast for us, is that I think it, it ties in with desire, the, the capacity of the heart, the, the thickening of mm-hmm. the walls of the mm-hmm. heart. Mm-hmm. That I think goes with intimacy and longing and desire. Can you kind of yeah. expound So that? where I got that from is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 21. Paul's praying a prayer. It's actually my favorite prayer in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he prays is he prays, you would have power in your inner being by the Holy Spirit so that two things can happen. First, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Well... He's praying for the church at Ephesus. Christ already dwells in their hearts through faith. That's what it means to be a believer. You're not a believer unless the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. So what's he praying? He's praying for more. Mm -hmm. He's praying for an increase of the presence of God. He's praying for intimacy. That's what he's praying for. Mm -hmm. Okay? That's what happens with Moses. The presence of God was already with Moses. But what Moses did was pursue the face of God. So often what we do is we come after his hands. God, give me this. God, do that. God, fix that. God, heal that. God, give me this. Mm Mm-hmm. Moses pursued his face. Paul's praying, we will have thicker walls in our soul, strengthened inner beings, so that we can have more capacity for the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And the second thing he's praying, in that same passage, we'll have those thicker walls of the soul, 
so that we can experience more of the love of God, know how high and wide and deep yeah. and long is the love of God and Christ so we can be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. Truth is, if we have an increased capacity for the presence and love of God, we will carry revival. Mm. That's the key. So how do you thicken the walls of your soul? Yeah. Well, one of the answers is you have to pass the tests that come your way in life. Mm-hmm. Every time God gives you a promise, there's usually a testing that precedes the fulfillment of the promise. Mm-hmm. Think about Joseph. 18 years old, he gets a promise. He's going to have a life of destiny. He's going to be a leader. Okay, mm-hmm. It's a great promise. Unfortunately, in his arrogance, he goes and shares it with his brothers, which didn't turn out yeah. that well. But it actually leads him to a period of testing. What's interesting is he never lets go of the promise. Yeah. All the way through enslavement, prison, false accusations, he never lets go of the promise. There's a psalm, it's Psalm 105, I believe. There's a line in the psalm, it's talking about the life of Joseph and how he's experienced all these testings. And it says, the word of the Lord tested him until its fulfillment. Wow. Now what it's saying is, it was the prophetic word he received when he was 18 that was hanging over his head that was testing him. Will you believe this? Mm. Even in prison. Will you believe this when you're a slave? Will you believe this when you're falsely accused? And he wouldn't let go of the word of God over his life. Wow. And he didn't take offense at God. Mm. He didn't harden his heart with God. He allowed the testing to do its work. What did it do? It thickened the walls of his soul. So that by the time he finished the testing, he now had the capacity to receive the promise. Mm. It was the word over his life that tested whether or not he'd received the promise over his life. Mm. And he held on to the word, passed the test, and received the promise. This is true for us. Mm -hmm. So you have to pass the test. That's one of the things. Spiritual discipline, sacrifice, that's one of the things that thickens the walls of our soul. Being in the presence of God. Yeah. Paul prays. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the walls of our soul would be thickened. Mm. There is something to be said for that. That's good. Um, I guess with the, the testing and, and, and the trials and, and everything that Joseph went through, um, what are some keys to, I guess, overcome discouragement? Mm-hmm. When, when you're walking and, and holding on to a promise and believing and pursuing and discouragement comes your way, what, yep. what are some keys to overcome that. And we're all discouraged from times. Yeah. So one of the keys is certainly that we have to believe God can redeem suffering in our life. Mm, that doesn't mean God brings suffering. Because I think there's plenty of things that happen to us, Sam, that are outside the will of God. What I mean by that is somebody gets abused, somebody gets raped. I don't believe that's God's will. God doesn't have a will for evil. Of course. But when that happens, I have to believe to the core of my being that God could even redeem evil in my life. This is Romans chapter 8. Nothing can separate me from his love. And no matter what comes into my life, he can redeem it to make me more like Jesus. Mm. That's an incredible promise. James 1 says you ought to rejoice whenever trials and tribulations come into your life, which is not my reflex reaction to trials. (laughs) But what he's saying, if you read on, is because they can make you like Jesus. And if you get to James chapter 1, verse 5, which we always quote for life decisions. If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask God. God will give him wisdom. That's fine. You can use it for that. But that's not what it means. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is, you're in the midst of a trial. You don't know how God could redeem it to make you like Jesus. Ask him. He'll give you wisdom. Mm-hmm. So what I do every time I suffer, literally every time, mm-hmm. I get alone with God. I claim those two promises in Romans chapter 8, verse 28 to 39. James chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. 
I read them, I claim them, and I say, Lord, you promised you would redeem this suffering in my life to make me like Jesus. Show me how. Mm. I've got a theory in my life. Here it is. You ready? Yeah. Never waste suffering. Mm. You don't get to choose if you suffer, Sam. You only get to choose how you suffer. So suffer wisely. Mm. Don't ever waste suffering. I made a vow to myself when I was in my mid-20s that I would never waste suffering. Every time I suffer wisely, my walls get thicker and the capacity for God increases. Mm. That's good. Um, One last question as as we get ready to wrap up. Um, It's something that you've said and and it it struck with me and, and I go back to it often is is brokenness is the precursor to revival. Now, can you kind of just you know yeah. talk, talk us through that a little bit? It's also the precursor to intimacy mm-hmm. and to maturity. Brokenness is just a broken, contrite heart. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, above all else, guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. Mm-hmm. Do you know, Sam, I've heard people teach that passage, and what they teach it as is this. You've got to protect your heart from people who are going to hurt you. That is exactly not what the passage means. Mm-hmm. When he says, above all else, guard your heart, he's telling you to guard it from hardness. Mm. Do not let your heart become hard. Mm. You must keep your heart humble, broken, soft, contrite before the Lord. This is the key. And so it's the key to intimacy. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. This is the key to moving in authority. We have to be able to keep our hearts in a broken and contrite condition. Mm. And honestly, Sam, so often what happens is our hearts grow hard because of pain. So life comes in, it gets difficult, we get upset, we get hurt, we get angry, even with God. Mm. And we take offense and we put up walls in our heart, shields to protect our heart. The problem with shields, whether they're up against a person or up against God, the shields are indiscriminate. Yeah. Not only do they block out the person from hurting me, they block out God from helping me. Mm. And the key, the heart that is truly guarded appropriately is a heart that is not self-protected. There are no walls. There is no hard spot in the heart. It is a heart of broken ground. And God has full and free access to the heart. Yeah. And that's huge. Mm. I I think that just ties everything because I, I think you know we shield our heart even from that longing that we we're talking about that, absolutely that emptiness you know um that that waiting period and i think it just it just wraps it all up where you know like you said it, it's all about intimacy with the lord and um one question that i've been asking everybody I, i've interviewed thus far is um you know just so that everyone gets to hear you know how people connect to god differently but is you know how, how do you connect to the Father, you know, how, how do you, um, you know, get in His presence and just be with Him? You know, mm-hmm. what, are, what are some keys that, that you, you have? So several things. There are certain disciplines that really feed my soul, Sam. One of them would be meditating on Scripture. Mm-hmm. And uh, I meditated on Psalm 23, for example, for an entire year. Yeah. And it just fed my soul. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them would be worship. But it's never corporate. It's always personal, private. On Sundays, man, I got my game face on. But yeah. you know what? During the week... I'll just worship, and it's just me and Jesus, and there's a sense of his presence that floods in. A third one for me is silence. Mm. Silence has done more to take me deeper in intimacy with God than any other discipline I've ever engaged in. Wow. And I engage in it on a regular basis. It has also helped me cultivate that longing more Mm. than anything else. 
And so silence has been gigantic for me. Um, so disciplines, certain disciplines have really fed my soul. And I have come to a place in my life where I've determined I'm going to practice disciplines that feed my soul. You know, I go on monastery retreats, mm -hmm. big blocks of time. Yeah. Unhurried time. Mm. Scheduled time to be alone with God. I just came off a monastery retreat, Sam. Spent oh. two days alone with God. And in both those retreats, on both days of those retreats, I spent two hours each day in total silence with no agenda. Mm. Just letting God do whatever he wanted, say whatever he wanted, speak about whatever he wanted. I call them God-initiated conversations. I give him a big block of time, and I have no agenda. Yeah. And I let him take initiative in the relationship. Wow. That's awesome. Well, I think we could go on and on. And if I know you have a busy weekend, um, you'll, be, you'll be teaching and preaching on praying with authority. Is that right? Yeah, we're dealing with this weekend with deliverance issues and trying to help people get free. And so we're talking about equipping a group of people how cool. to get free. So that's over at Living Christ Church. Unfortunately, I heard it's sold out. So It those, is sold out. Those, we're going to do another one, though. So, so there's another one coming. And uh, for those of you who listen, we have an awesome um, uh, giveaway for you. We are actually going to do a, a prize where the winner gets a copy of, of Dr. Rob Reamer's new book, Pathways to the King. Um, it will be a Twitter giveaway where you follow Pursuit NYC and, and Dr. Rob Reamer. And, and you know, we'll have more instructions online later, but just retweet it and we'll, we'll, we'll select a ran random winner. Um, and you'll get a copy of his book. Can, can you talk a little bit about the book before we end here? Yeah, Sam, the book's really about intimacy with God and pursuing revival. That's really what it is. How do you live a life of continuous renewal? Hmm. You know, really what I want to do, Sam, is I want to live in the continuous river of the presence of God. Jesus promised us that the Holy Spirit, like a river within us, how do you stay in the river? And that's what the book's really about. How do you stay in a continuous state of renewal? Awesome. I have my own copy. And where can other people get their copy? If they, I mean, it's on Amazon and all those kinds of places, Barnes and Nobles. You can call the church if you want, and we can get you an autographed copy, and we can also get it to you cheaper. So. Okay, cool. So there's a bunch of ways we'll put South that. Shore Community Church. Yeah, we'll put that on online as well. And um, thank you so much for your time, and, and I hope you, that we could do it again. Amen. Do 10-part series just on. I know you have eight keys, right? Eight paths eight, to the king, but we'll do, we'll do 12 steps All right. of the podcast. But thank you so much for your time. And, and for those listening, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we love you. God bless. Thank you for listening to Pursuit Cast. For more information on the ministry of Pursuit NYC, please visit us on the web at www.pursuitnyc.org. Revival or bust.